0: And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out our weekly emails where I share actionable B2B marketing website SEO tips, useful goodies, and more. Why not give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. So joining me today... I've got Jason Bradwell. Jason's the host of B2B Better podcast, and he's the founder of B2B Better. Jason, welcome to the show, sir. How are we?
1: Not too bad, Sam. Thanks for having me. How are you going?
0: Yeah, no worries, man. Looking forward to this. It's is the first uh, guest episode we've done in a while whilst I've been moving house, setting up the studio, faffing about, waiting for internet, but I won't bore you with any more because we're diving into a, a useful topic We're going to be talk about how the audience can use podcasting as an account-based marketing ABM tool to ultimately grow their pipeline, grow their leads, grow their business. So with that in mind, why the heck should uh, a B2B or consider podcasting as part of their ABM and their, their general marketing strategy?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's a little bit cliche for a B2B marketer like myself to be coming out and saying, like, you should be launching a podcast. It's a really good idea, you know, because it seems <laughs> like every every brand and their dog has a podcast right now. But I think it's for good reason, you know. I think as a medium, um, there are a lot of advantages that come with producing a podcast, particularly if you're a marketer like me that uh historically is like sold into enterprise accounts um, or selling an enterprise grade product. Um, You know, one of the advantages is that, you know, when it comes to an enterprise sale, people buy from people. Um, And, you know, when it comes to signing a check, a six, seven figure check, you want to know that the person on the other side uh, of giving you that check, know what they're talking about. And a podcast is a great medium to actually put a voice, put a face to the brand, right? And to demonstrate your, your your thought leadership as an individual, which in turn reflects uh, back onto the brand and the company. I also think that, you know, a lot of the companies that I work with um, in my consultancy B2B Better, um, they're really kind of kickstarting their content marketing machine from scratch. Right. And often they think, oh, well, we should launch a blog. But we don't have any writers in-house and we don't really have the budget to go out there and buy like a big content, blogging, research, writing team. Um, so what can we do to get started? You know, how can we get the most bang out of our buck where we are choosing to make that investment? And I feel like if you have a founder or an executive that is able to articulate a point of view, um, which they probably do every single day when they're talking to customers or talking to their staff or talking to their partners, and you can get them in front of a microphone or a camera and you can get them to express that point of view, you um, then at the end of it, you're going to have a 30, 60-minute asset that can be repurposed in a dozen or so different ways. It's a lot easier to take a video asset and turn it into a blog post, turn it into an email newsletter, turn it into a piece of sales enablement collateral than it is to go from a written post the other way around, at least in my experience. And finally, the third reason is, and we're going to talk about this a bit today, is the account-based marketing potential that comes with launching a podcast. Um Certainly for B2B Better, the business and, and, and other companies that I've worked with and w- worked for when I was an in-house marketing director, um, selling in an enterprise, you know, opening doors is a real tough challenge. And if you can approach a potential customer and you're coming from a place of value add, we want to get you onto our podcast. We want you to talk about something that you're passionate about. Um, we're going to give you exposure to our audience and we're going to do that over a 60-minute interview that's an easier way in my experience to open a door than hey can we grab thirty minutes of your time for a cold pitch right because you're coming at them from a place of we want to give you something and we're not expecting anything back in return as a marketing team that's a really powerful tool particularly if you're selling it in an enterprise because you know attribution's a big problem and finding ways to demonstrate the commercial success of a marketing team within a within a b2 b business is is tough and if you can point back as a marketer and say, look we closed this deal and that relationship started because we got them onto the podcast or that relationship was reignited because we got them onto the podcast, well, that's a way that you can prove your commercial value to the organization. So yeah, lots of different reasons there, but that that's kind of where I'm thinking at it from.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I like, I like the framework and we're going to jump into a bit of a how to on any B2B. So any B2B organizations that are perhaps tuning in and wondering kind of what the best, best practices are when it comes to actually setting one up and getting one going and also making sure you've got the right strategy behind it to ensure it drives the results and outcomes that you want. So when I think ABM, when I think account-based marketing, Jason, what comes into my mind is basically setting up a list of let's say dream accounts, maybe they're ideal client profiles within businesses, maybe you've got several stakeholders within each business. And then you you break them up into segments, maybe you've got 100 top accounts that you want to break into, perhaps they're in a certain vertical, perhaps they're in Texas or funded Texas, whatever. And then you build out a load of LinkedIn ads, uh, you serve them to these target audience. Uh, you try and nurture them over time building trust and eventually when they have the problem that you fix that you hope that they book a demo with your sales team so that is the kind of generic abm thought that's in my mind now i'm i'm guessing you're going to tell me kind of this strategy is is completely different to uh, what, what's there
1: i mean i think you know the way that you articulated
0: uh, an account-based marketing strategy
1: there is you know pretty much on the money right it starts from a place of saying hey these are a bunch of accounts that we want to win Mm -hmm. and we are going to be investing and we're dedicated to invest in a marketing and sales strategy that is going to put us in front of these accounts over a long period of time with the ambition that eventually they're going to convert into close customers close one revenue and i think wielding something like a podcast in that strategy, is a really great mechanism to, as I've already mentioned, kind of kickstart a relationship, accelerate a relationship, or reignite a relationship. So from kickstarting a relationship perspective, as I mentioned a moment ago, pick your top 10 customers that you want to try and start a relationship with, invite them onto the podcast to, uh, talk about a a topic that they're passionate about and look we're not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes here you know you need to actually do something with that content you can't just say hey we want to do a podcast with you speak to them for an hour and then do a pitch whilst you're speaking to them right that's not what we're trying to do here we are trying to co-collaborate on some content it just so happens that we're able to begin a relationship with a prospect in a slightly different way than we would do otherwise the second thing I mentioned there is accelerator relationship. So maybe the account-based marketing strategy is already underway and we're now just looking for another touch point, another, another way to continue to engage or re-engage that customer or that target. Um, we're serving them ads. Our sales team has taken them out for lunch. But again, we want to come to them with a, with a piece of value. We want to continue to nurture that relationship. If we have an audience as a brand, let's give that audience to our prospect to our target and get them some exposure that way. And, you know, particularly when you're selling into enterprise and and particularly when you're selling into like the C suite or an executive level, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these individuals are going to be either, you know, well-trained to take advantage of public speaking opportunities and even better probably have a vested interest in taking public speaking opportunities. You know, I've, I've seen in my career um, clients where, They were totally against doing a conventional case study or a press release. Mm -hmm. But when you invite them to come onto a podcast and talk for an hour, they can't jump at it quick enough. And it's because, again, this is less about, hey, let's do a press release, which is about me and the brand and why we're amazing at serving you. And it's now more about let's shine the light on you, the customer or the target in this case. and show you to the world and, and, you know, make everyone realize what a genius you are. Um, And that can be a really powerful tool to help getting clients over the line or prospects over the line who otherwise won't engage with you. And then the third one, as I said, was, you know, um, uh, reactivate or kind of, you know, re-engage if if, if a, if a contact has gone gone cold, kind of similar to the acceleration piece, you can use the podcast as a tool to try and reignite that relationship. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're reigniting it with the intention of, hey, I want to close a deal with you it's about reigniting it to figure out like where in the funnel that prospect actually is. Right. Um, And you can do that by recommencing the relationship through something like a podcast.
0: Nice. Yeah. Some nice tips. So, and you're exactly right. Like I've literally experienced the exact same thing with our company web choice, Jason, like you ask probably one out of 10 clients, if that are happy to come on and do a video testimonial, even if you try and offer them some goodies, people just, I don't know why, but I, I guess it's quite a big ask, like you say, because it's it's all about you. Whereas... It it Where... is.
1: Yeah, mm,
0: it's literally like a selfish ask. But when you invite invite people to to, to podcast, it's amazing the response you get. Right, like I would say, ninety nine percent of people say yes.
1: Well, I think there's I think there's a couple of things here. Like I think when you're selling into enterprise accounts you know, asking someone to do a press release or a video testimonial or a case study. It's Mm. almost like even that they, in my experience, not that they don't want to do it, but it's just like the hassle that's going to come with having to get legal involved. And, you know, are the projects a little bit shaky at the moment? So we feel like, you know, we don't want to give you the case study until we've like solved issues X, Y, and Z. Like there's just this friction there that we need to overcome this before we can actually do the case study or the press release. And it's almost just not worth it right at that point. Um, but you know, if you can get them onto something like a podcast and through some like strategic questioning, kind of start teasing out some of those things that you were looking for from a video testimonial, I've had clients before say to me when I was in my in-house role, no way we can ever do a press release. No way we can ever do a case study. Then you get them onto a podcast and they You know they'll give you the video. They'll give you the testimonial, almost like inadvertently, just by virtue of you being together talking about this subject. And of course, then you need to go back and you need to make sure they're happy with you to promote it and give them the rounds of review and all that kind of stuff. But it's not it's not going to work every single one. It's not going to work every single time. But if you are struggling a little bit to get that traction with a customer, why not try this mechanism? It could be a way that to to unlock.
0: Mm, Nice. So. With that in mind, we might as well jump into some of the strategy because we've teased at how it can work with inviting ideal prospects into the podcast and also reigniting perhaps relationships or deals in your pipeline that might have stalled um, and also creating content together to kind of build up that starting foundation, build up that trust and spark off a potential sales prospect. But let's take a step back. What are kind of the foundations that you need in place from let's say an mvp's point of view when it comes to i don't know basic kit or basic things you actually need from your own organization whether that's your speaker and tools um so what are some of the things i suppose from a actual physical item or software item mindset and also more of a more of a mindset attitude as well because i know not everyone feels like they can host their own show. And sometimes if you're in a bigger organization, you might need to pick a subject matter expert. So be eager to know your thoughts around those foundational items. Absolutely. I mean,
1: you're spot on in saying that from a mindset perspective, your organization needs to be behind the idea because, you know, particularly right now with marketing teams under increasing scrutiny um, and ensuring that every dollar going out of the door is delivering ROI, Unless you're prepared to invest in something like a podcast or a branded show for a significant period of time, minimum six months, then you probably should be looking at other channels. If if kind of short-term, directly attributable revenue is the priority like right now, um, and you've got to make a choice between podcast and you know maybe ads or podcast and event that we know always delivers ROI for us, then you should probably stick with the things that, that you know, right? Um, so from a mindset perspective, there needs to be an understanding between the marketing team and the leadership team that this is a long-term play, right? This is something that we're investing in and the effects of which are going to compound over time. So you need minimum six months. Once you've got that agreement, you need to understand like how you're going to measure it. So... I think this is where a lot of brands fall over is they think "Ah, oh, downloads is our metric right if we're getting a huge number of downloads well then you know we're being successful i actually think when you dig into it a little bit as a marketing team what you'll often find is that 99.9 percent of brands aren't trying to be the joe rogan of their industry right what they're trying to do is they're trying to build pipeline and i think that's when you start looking at it through this like abm lens we want to invite prospective customers onto our podcast. Well, the metric of success there should be things like, what's our like guest pitch win ratio? We've sent out 100 invites. We want to get 60% uh, uh, acceptance rate of those invites. We want 60% of the people we reached out to, um, to agree to come onto our podcast so we can begin the relationship that way. Um, you want to look at things like pipeline, right? going through gong transcripts. Uh, is the podcast being mentioned when we're talking to our enterprise sales customers? Well, great. We can then count that as influence revenue. So metrics, metrics of success, have a real think about what that looks like because often it's not going to be downloads. Um, once you've got that mindset, once you've got those metrics, I'll just kind of rattle through the things that I look at when I'm talking with clients about launching podcasts. Sure. One is that you need a premise or a crux that's different. to. What else is out there? Like particularly if you're a Martech or a sales tech provider, there are a lot of podcasts, as you know, <laughs> Sam, as I do, right? We're competing against a lot of other B2B marketing slash B2B sales podcasts. And if it's just going to be another QA style interview-based show with the hundred or so marketing sales influencers that are on all the podcasts out there, then you're probably going to really struggle to stand out. So figure out what your premise, what's the crux of the show that's going to be differentiated and allow you to express a unique point of view. Next thing is your host, really important. Um, The host can make or break a show. Um, Often you'll want it to be the CEO or some other senior executive within the organization. Um, And oftentimes that is the right choice. But if that CEO or executive really doesn't want to get in front of the microphone or really feels uncomfortable with it, then there are other ways that you can get them involved in the podcast, but not have them be the host, right? You could maybe think of like a guest segment where once a week or once an episode, they come on, they share a little bit of insight about what's happening in the organization, but it's being hosted by someone who feels kind of more comfortable behind the mic. Um, Next thing is guests and questions. Again, from an ABM standpoint, if we're going to use it in this way, we want to be really clear on like, who do we actually want to build relationships with? from an ABM perspective and ensuring that we've got a good workflow in place to invite them and maximize the chances of success of having them agree to come onto the podcast. And then we also want to ensure that the questions that we're asking them are aligned with the premise or the crux that we've come up with at the top, right? You know, think about questions that they're not being asked in other places, particularly if you're speaking to um, thought leaders that already have quite a good profile, quite a big brand profile. Um, I did a podcast with April Dunford a few months ago, um, who for those listening, if you don't know, she's the positioning expert, B2B tech positioning expert. And it was the best performing podcast episode I've ever done on B2B Better because I was asking her questions about, yes, her process of positioning a B2B company, but we were approaching it from a, how do you position a services-based business versus a product-based business, which I don't think is something she's ever spoken about you know, before in the public domain. So nice. if, if you're going to ask, if you have guests come on and they're well-known and they're speaking all the place, all over the place anyway, figure out what questions you can ask them that are actually going to differentiate that episode, um, that interview from all the other times that they've been on.
0: Are you tired of the competition, stealing your potential clients, and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer. Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com that's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today.
1: Cool. And then we can talk a little bit about production and distribution and kind of iteration, but. I want to take a yeah, break. Yeah, let's 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 think. dive
0: into some of those points. Let's dissect what you've just laid out there, Jason. So in terms of um there's a few things. Firstly, in terms of guests, is there like a strategy that you recommend in terms of because we've had different um different folks that run podcast production agencies and such on in the past, and everyone's got their own take on best practices to actually invite prospects. Is there any top tips that you recommend when it comes to actually getting those dream clients to agree to come on your show and not come across salesy or spam them with all the text the emails and just piss them off, but actually make them excited to come on your show?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing I'd say is that if you're starting out a podcast from scratch, it's best to start with the people that already know you and they like you and they trust you. So maybe start with existing customers, right? Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to build out a bit of a portfolio of episodes of interviews that we can take to guests or future guests cold and say, look, we're not just like coming out of nowhere and you're going to be the first ever guest. So this isn't going to be a good use of your time. Like already we have had some people come on these episodes and you can see this is like in operation. It's it's not just starting from scratch. So start with the people that are already in your network is the first thing I'd say. Um, the second thing I'd say is that every guest that you should, that you have on the, on the podcast, ask them for referrals. You know, I'm thinking about, and this can be done like either on the episode and recorded, or it can be done after the fact. Um, But ask for referrals, you know, you and I spoke about podcasting uh, through an ABM motion. Who should I be speaking to next about this? Who can offer me a different perspective on this subject? that you know, beyond what you've shared with me today. Can you make an introduction? Because those warm introductions, those warm referrals, much like in kind of winning new business are going to land a lot easier, um, than, than going in cold and you can automate that, right? So I've got a Zapier integration set up, a Zapier workflow set up where after I finish recording an episode on zoom, an email is automatically sent to that participant saying, thanks so much for coming on to the episode today. Uh, If I could ask one more favor, could you please just, you know, recommend a few people that I should be speaking to next to have onto the podcast. Um, so it doesn't have to all be manual. It it can be automated. Um, once you've got those initial episodes, if you've got that referral, you know, if, 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 um, the next thing that you could look at is in terms of the actual kind of invitation itself, if you're going in cold, keep it short, um, really articulate the value that's going to be provided to the participant um, to the interviewee either in terms of you're going to be exposed to this many people or we're going to really kind of work this episode across our entire content distribution strategy or whatever and um, just be okay if they say no right and no doesn't mean no forever no, may, may, and often does just mean not now, right? Mm. And you can include that in your email. Like, if now's not a right time, can we get back in touch in Q3, Q4, or whatever, and, and try again? Because, as I say, most of the people, in fact, all of the people that I've pitched over the years, um, if they haven't said yes immediately, it's never been a never, it's just been a not now.
0: Yeah. 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 And I suppose, depending on the size of the organization you're going after, there might be other similar decision makers that you could ask. I yeah. If you try the marketing director, you might be able to try the chief marketing officer, head of marketing, director of demand gen, et cetera, Because they all have similar inputs to certain things. It's like broadening Def- your horizon for who you can contact, I guess.
1: Definitely, and there's that like where that referral thing comes in, right? Like, hey, I'm pitching the CMO. If they say no, okay. Well, is there anyone else in your organization that you think could be, you mm-hmm. know, that that would get a that would get some
0: value out of taking advantage of this opportunity? Nice, nice. And is this strategy, Jason, is it fully guest based or is there any standpoint to run solo episodes?
1: I think there's definitely value in doing solo episodes. I mean, I kind of look at I I see there kind of being like four types of podcast um, when it comes to kind of like B2B brand owned. I think. One is very much like a QA and a style interview-based podcast, which is best suited to something like an ABM strategy. Mm-hmm. We're inviting people on who we want to have a relationship with, and the light is 100% shining on them. Maybe we get a bit of benefit from the halo effect of being associated with them, but largely this is about them. This isn't about us. Um and how you want to measure those, as I've said, is things like, are guests agreeing to appear on the podcast? Um, are we able to begin or accelerate or reignite a relationship? Um, so yeah, I'd call that like your ABM podcast. You can definitely have a solo um, kind of host-owned podcast, um, something I call like a profile-building podcast, where it's really about helping the host or, or kind of whoever's you know hosting it. Um, build out their own personal profile and articulate a point of view, right? And I think if you think about Refined Labs, the marketing agency, Chris Walker, great example of that, right? Chris has been doing his podcast since 2019. It's just him um, for the most part. And he just hammers the same message over and over and over again. And that's why he's now got 130,000 followers or something on LinkedIn. Um, the third type of podcast you can get Is what I call a company positioning podcast. So it's kind of like a riff on your profile building podcast, but it's less about like the individual within the organisation showcasing their point of view. It's more about the point of view of the organisation, kind of portrayed through an individual. So like Intercom do a really good example of this. Um, I think their podcast is called Inside Intercom. It's usually the two same people from the from from intercom hosting it talking about a subject that's kind of relevant to the product or a trend of the day the last one was about chat GPT and it's you know being hosted by these two guys but they're articulating the point of the view of the organization they're not bringing on guests it's it's just them um, it. and then the final one and I don't see this very often but I love the idea of it is what I call the news ticker uh, um, uh, podcast where there are so many bad trade journal organizations out there um, across so many different sectors. And I often think that a lot of brands would benefit from trying to kind of own a little bit of that trade reporting relationship with the wider market. You know, let's say you're working in, I don't know, let's say you're working in um, kind of like enterprise technology solutions for the media sector. Right? So you're working with a lot of different media clients, a lot of different broadcasters, rights owners, rights holders. Um, you're in a really unique position where because you're talking to so many different types of clients from that industry and you're building a lot of bespoke solutions, you've probably got quite a unique view of like what's happening in the wider industry. And you could very well start a podcast, which is maybe on a daily basis, just reporting on the trends that are happening within the industry Lay it on with your view of, based on you know your work, um, uh, what that really means for the industry mm. at large. Um, and this could be daily; it could be five, ten minutes. There's one called Daily Tech Headlines. I listened to that, kind of inspired this idea. But yeah, I think a lot of B two B organizations could uh, could benefit from like owning a little bit more of that trade journal relationship with the mm. wider market.
0: That would be a good one for SEO right now, especially with all the uh, crazy AI overtaken no real clear roadmap of what's happening in the search engine result pages but i think if an org, like you say if an organization has got the resources to be Hmm. one of the only i like your term news ticker styles in their niche in their industry like they could be miles ahead of any other company especially if they run some paid behind it and people see them as a trusted source of information in their space like that's big
1: Definitely. And I mean, it's especially it's a good, you know, it's a good place to start as well, right? Like if you're, a, if you're an early stage company, you're a startup and you're thinking about, oh, we want to launch a podcast, but like we're still trying to refine our point of view on the industry. And maybe we're a little bit hesitant, a bit nervous to like go out there and just be like hammering a view home. Mm. Um, you could start very easily just by like reporting on the industry, right? Do That's a true. five, 10 minute podcast every day here are the top three stories that we saw. Here's what we think they mean. And you can use that almost as a tool to start refining your own point of view, right? But you're giving people a reason every single day to come back and hear you and your founders and engage with your brand and you know be well-informed on what's happening in their industry. And it's a relatively low lift.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hammer home as well something you said earlier, Jason, because I felt... I fell into the trap when I started this podcast. In fact, I did a post on LinkedIn about it a couple of days ago. You mentioned um, when you start a podcast, you might be consumed with metrics like going for max downloads. And if you're distributing onto YouTube, LinkedIn, the audio channels, you might be worried about how many views it's getting or how many people are clicking through to the site. And like you say, if you're using it as a tool to actually grow pipeline and grow revenue for your business, that doesn't matter a tonne. Like, yeah, you, you will see a steady increase over time if you promote it in the right places to the right audience. But like you say, if you're doing it as a relationship builder or you're doing it to build solo expertise in yourself or your company brand, then ultimately you want to focus on the metrics that matter. And that's like you say, like new new prospects into the pipeline and new opportunities created or people mentioning your brand and sales calls or mentioning they heard the podcast and all that good stuff. Because that's where I got focused, um, where we went very, very broad with the show and as soon as we niched down and took a clear direction with it, like the results that this podcast generated just went up massively.
1: Definitely. Uh, Yeah. Cause it's, I think it's like, it's the same with like writing LinkedIn posts. It's, you know, you can, you can learn how to game the system, right. And you can say, well, if engagement and downloads and likes are the metric that we want to be tracking success against, well, then you just write a listicle, right. You know, here are the top AI tools of the day that you should be following and, fuck now we've got like five thousand likes aren't we amazing but if none of it like drops down Mm -hmm. onto the bottom line what does it matter right maybe it does matter to you maybe that's what you want to do you want to get like a load of eyeballs on your stuff and you don't really care how that happens but you just want the eyeballs well then maybe downloads are the right well down eyeballs isn't the right word like ears i guess um (laughs) earlobes earlobes exactly i want so many earlobes um but I think, as I say, speaking to clients who are thinking about launching their own branded B2B podcasts a lot, um, they think they want to track downloads. But when you actually dig a little bit and you actually have the conversation of, okay, well, longer term, why does downloads matter? Is that really the metric we want to be measuring this against? You often find it's not. Um, so if you are thinking about going down this road, just be very clear on like what success looks like.
0: Nice. So we've talked a lot about the foundationals. How do we pick these strategies up, pick up the podcast that we've got running and how do we then, are we then meant to distribute it further? Are we just thinking, okay, great, we're building some solid relationships if we're doing the interview style um, process and then perhaps a few months down the line, we're starting to get deals in the pipeline and the sales team are mentioning the podcast as a a source for inquiries. So we're we're getting happy Um, or perhaps we're doing our solo Leadership show, and again, we're, we're attracting some kind of audience. We're getting inquiries coming in because we're showing our point of view, we're showing our expertise. Is that it, or are we meant to put some kind of paid distribution behind it and LinkedIn to further target accounts and start promoting the show to further audiences, or is there a play beyond this? I mean,
1: I th- as I said earlier, you know, I think a podcast or, or a video show is one of the like most highly versatile content assets that you can have at your disposal. Um, they can honestly be repurposed in a dozen or more different ways um, relatively easily. Um, I work with a lot of organizations who are either kind of early stage startup um, or they are maybe enterprise organizations, but they're investing in marketing seriously for the first time um, because maybe historically they've been more of a like sales driven go to market strategy. And the commonality between these two organisations is money is tight, right? Um, you know they're not they're not willing to, or they're not able just yet to go out there and start spanking twenty grand a month on on like paid ads. So in those situations, um, and thinking about this through like an enterprise ABM strategy lens, I think you can go quite far with organic. You know, I think if you take a podcast episode, and you know you're interviewing your target customer, someone that fits your ICP. You can hand that asset once it's produced to your sales team and say you should send this to all of our list of ICP targets and highlight sections A, B, and C because they're going to be really relevant based on mm. what we've just had with this interview. Um, I think the power of like individual profiles is immense and often underutilized. An individual is going to be connected, or the kind of the total sum of connections that the individuals within your organization are going to have. Is going to be 10 times greater than that of your brand account at any given time people are seven times more likely to engage with content posted by people versus posted by the brand so if you're taking a podcast episode and you're cutting it into a dozen different ways like little micro video clips give them to your organization give them to your people make it super easy right and say we've just created this we want to get it everywhere let's post it out there across our personal channels yeah um i think also from a lead gen perspective you can be a little bit strategic with the questions that you're asking. Um, If you're interviewing 20 customers of a similar type, obviously you want each interview to be unique and individual. But at the end of the episode, you can ask the same kind of five questions like what's the future of our industry? What's the biggest challenge our company is going to face in the next 10 years, yada, yada, yada. And then at the end of this 20 episode season, you can compile all those answers into a piece of lead gen content. We spoke to 20 or so CTOs in the enterprise solution space here's where they think the future of our industry is going. Right. So you can just, it's highly versatile. You can do a lot of stuff with a podcast, with a video series. um, But you have to put the time and the energy into distribution because like all content, it's the piece of the puzzle that most people just don't really give that much attention to.
0: And I'll tell you something I see a lot, Jason, because I'm sure you're like me. You've been, you get invited on podcasts all the time in the B2B space And I find either hosts are amazing at helping you easily promote the episode or they're terrible. But I've been on podcasts where they literally wait and tell me where the episode's live, and then I'll just go onto their show and I'll say, Oh, I was live like a month ago. Great. Mm. Um, Then the others are quite the opposite. Like they'll ping me a message on LinkedIn or an email and say, Thanks very much for being on the show. Here's the artwork. Here's like three to five media clips. Here's all the links, easily able to get it. Here's a Google Drive with everything. Here's some suggested posts. We recommend you put it in the first comment on LinkedIn. I'm like, this is awesome. This is so easy to produce. So making it nice and easy for the guests that you actually invite on your show is like a superpower because most people are busy. Most execs don't have hours and hours to trawl through and find everything themselves. So if you present them that almost a promo media kit, like just make it easy for them to share either themselves or with their team, like you say, it's going to save you a lot of work and actually make them actually improve their experience with you.
1: I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Um, I had a really good experience quite recently, um, with Ramley John who hosts, I think it's called the marketing power-ups podcast. And exactly like you just described there, Sam, you know, once the episode was live, I got a great kind of pack of assets that I could distribute and I could rework and make it in my own voice and and everything. But it was just a really pleasant experience. Um, I would just extend to your point. Like if you, if you know, it's one thing letting people know that the podcast episode is live. If you are going to host a podcast where you're asking people to give up their time um, to be interviewed and for whatever reason, there's a delay in getting the episode out there, that's fine. But just make sure you tell them, because I've been on podcasts before where we've like recorded in January and then it's June and we haven't, I haven't heard anything. And then I trawl back through the Apple. I was like, Oh yeah, I was on that podcast. Like have I ever, it was the episode ever live. And then I start thinking like, wow, was it really that bad? They
0: chose not to publish it.
1: (laughs) Panicking that they have ditched it. Yeah. So I'm messaging them and they're like, Oh no, we just got like a big backlog. We're still working our way through. And it's fine. Like no, no problem. But you know, if I'm a customer like that leaves, the whole point of this exercise is to leave a good taste in someone's mouth, right? And that does the complete
0: opposite. Yeah, nice. So with that all said, I want to wrap this up, Jason, in terms of taking these relationships that we're building, if we are going down the inviting kind of ideal client profiles to the, to the podcast, are there from your experience, because you do this, I do this, any recommended next steps of actually, let's say, encouraging them? if we think there is some business to be done to, I don't know, take a next step with us, do we do a great show, help them promote it, follow all these practices that we shared on the show and then hope they reach out. Do we give them a call, drop them an email a month later, a couple of weeks later asking if they've got any projects similar to what we discussed. Do we discuss it offline straight away from your experience? What is the best practice to actually helping this along the way to going from a great conversation to a sales opportunity?
1: I mean, I think in doing this, in adopting this strategy, you know, what you're trying to do is one, create a great piece of content, but two, you're trying to really figure out where this prospect may sit in the funnel. Um, Again, my background is working predominantly in enterprise. So long sales cycles, anything from six months to two or three years. And when I've run this strategy in in previous um, roles that I've held in-house, you know, what I and the host are trying to do when we finish the interview is to kind of figure out whereabouts in that funnel and how close are they to being open to a commercial conversation. And what usually happens is it's quite far away, right? Cause these are big enterprise accounts, but depending on where they're at, we can then determine like, what are the next steps, right? If they're demonstrating high intent, Oh, we didn't know about your product, but that looks great. We should definitely get a demo in great. Well then we can put them into that kind of like book a demo sequence. Um, if, we speak to them and they're clearly the good, a good fit of a customer, but the intent isn't just there, then, you know, we want to set them up into a sequence that's going to continue to kind of uh, highlight to them when the podcast is being promoted um, and that we're sharing with them relevant documentation or materials that are going to help kind of move them through the funnel. And sometimes you get, you know, you, you miss the mark and you interview someone and you realize actually on on reflection, they just aren't the right kind of customer for us right now. And so we kind of need to kind of like park them for a bit, take them off our tier one target list and, um, you know, try again in another day or, or focus with another customer. And that's going to be a diff- different sequence of events after the fact. But I do think that, you know, once you've established that personal relationship, it's important to kind of try as much as you can keep it personal, right? So the se- when I say sequence, I don't mean necessarily, it's just like an automated set of events that they go into, but yeah. it's like a sequence where, you, the host, or you, the producer, or whoever they've built the relationship with is reaching out at an appropriate cadence with an appropriate um,
0: uh, message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not jamming 100 emails down their throat for the next 100 days after being a guest.
1: The last thing you want to do is you want someone, the last thing you want is someone to feel like they invited me onto the podcast because they're trying to sell me something. And I think that's sometimes where like this strategy that we've talked about today can be misinterpreted and i just want to kind of like finish just by being really clear this is not about pulling the wool over someone's eyes and just doing the cold pitch but we're just kind of walking through another door like we're asking them to come onto the podcast rather than respond to a cold email this is about co-creating a piece of valuable content that provides them value and if from that comes a good relationship that ultimately leads to a sale then fuck yes we've we've won right but we should not be doing this. We're adopting this thinking like, oh, great. I don't have to send a cold email or do a cold call anymore. I can just invite them onto the podcast. That's not the way you want to do it.
0: Mm. I think what we haven't discussed as well is there's a lot of other benefits to interviewing, especially if they're within your niche. Like, If you're interviewing smart people, like for, in our case, we're interviewing like B2B marketers and similar, you'll learn a ton. Like if you're hosting the show yourself and you're thinking about setting up a show, like literally over the last three years or however long we've done this show it's been like a university education on steroids but free of charge yeah. So anyone not only are we interviewing ideal client profiles but in my case I'm also interviewing people that I want to learn from so if I can get free advice for 30 minutes I'll gladly take it thank you
1: definitely uh, I've, I've said before and I think I've been recorded saying this like be to be better the podcast was like is like a university course where I've chosen the subject and I've chosen the teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's spot on. The other thing I just quickly extend on that is like from a customer research standpoint, sometimes it's hard for marketers to like to talk to the customer, right? We kind of like as marketers bandy it around like, oh, talk to your customer and everything will be great and clear. It's not always that easy. You know, if you're working in enterprise and you're selling in a Fortune 500 CTOs, They are not going to fucking give you half an hour of their time to answer, like, what blogs do you read? They're not going to do it. And your company's not going to let them do that, right? The salesperson, the account management person, they are not going to let, you know, marketing Jason walk in and ask a bunch of, like, you know, high-level questions in the name of building out a buyer persona. It's just not going to happen. The podcast... It gives you a mechanism to start doing some light customer research. Is it ideal? Is it how we would want to do customer research? No, but it's getting us into a room with a, with a customer or a prospect. And th- again, through strategic questioning, we can start you know, t- teasing out some of those insights that can at least give us an indication of where we should be
0: you know, guiding our strategy. Legend. Jason, very much enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for sharing your expertise in all things B2B podcasting. With that, please do share more about how everyone tuning in can learn from you connect with you in any way you want to send the audience.
1: I appreciate it, Sam. Yeah,
0: it's been a really good conversation. I feel like we could have kept going for another hour, to be honest. Um,
1: Always, always the way, isn't it? Um, So uh, yeah, you can learn more about uh, my strategic marketing advisory firm, B2B Better, by visiting www.b2b-better.com. I also have a podcast by the same name called B2B Better. Search for it in any podcast directory and you will find me. It's got the big yellow um, cover art. And yeah, if you're thinking about... um, you know, launching your own podcast, or you are looking just to talk to someone who's kind of done it for himself and also for B2B brands. Um, and you just want to kind of get some get some tips and tricks we haven't shared today. Uh, just hit me up on LinkedIn,
0: Jason Bradwell. I'll be more than happy to sit down and uh, chat it through with you. Top man. And we'll put all of those links on the show notes over at businessgrowth.marketing. Cheers again, Jason. As always, if you enjoyed today's show, a quick rating or review wherever the heck you listen to your podcast from Apple or Spotify. It's appreciated or subscribe on YouTube goes a long way. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one for more no BS, actionable marketing tips to grow your business and grow your revenue. Cheers and catch you soon.